As Jesus' disciples, we are taught that there is one debt we always owe. That is the debt of love. You heard Karen read from Romans, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Love. Welcome to this edition of the Redheaded Preacher. Thanks for tuning in. This is Richard Lanford. I am the preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie. We are an open and affirming congregation in the United Church of Christ. During this COVID season, we are not worshiping in person. Uh, we have virtual worship, which is recorded on a Saturday and uploaded to YouTube. We have our own channel. <clears throat> and... Um, People are uh, free to join us for worship at 10 a.m. Sunday or any time after that because that video stays up. But this is the podcast version where you have the scriptures and the sermon. The scriptures today are from the book of Exodus and Paul's letter to the church at Rome. They are read by our elector, Karen Christensen, who is also one of our Sunday school teachers. And that will be resuming virtually, uh, I believe soon and this is for sunday september 6th it's our first anniversary with our new music director ben westfall and the sermon title is the debt of love the debt of love so here we go sticking with the book of exodus for the third Sunday in a row, following the suggested lectionary readings, we now are at the institution of the Passover meal. We usually hear this on Monday, Thursday, when the church has its own meal of redemptive suffering and freedom. The passage is Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth of this month they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year-old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw 
roasted over the fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall not let it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. This is how you shall eat it. Your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. This ends the reading from Exodus. Our second and final reading is from Paul's letter to the Church of Rome, chapter 13, verses 8 through 14. As we heard last week, Paul adds on to his suggestion for how we are to live with one another. And here, he writes, in the belief that Christ will return shortly. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably, as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Here end the readings for today's service. Thanks be to God for this God's holy word. It's interesting what different sisters and brothers take from their parents, which shape their values, and maybe you don't see it till later. For some of you, it might be the spiritual life. Uh, one or both of our parents or, or your parents successfully passed this on to you, but maybe not to everybody in your family. Others inherit athleticism, while another great intellect and another common sense, which isn't the same thing as a great intellect. <laughs> not always, anyway. One of the things I got from my mom is that paying your bills is, like, not an option. It came off to me practically as a moral principle. 
You pay your bills on time. You make your payments on time. To this day, it is a little bit of a point of pride with me, whereas I know my brother Tommy didn't pay much attention to that. And I remember hearing my mom complain about another member of my family who was letting things slide. Um, and that's another half of her teaching. Debt you avoid as much as possible. When I was growing up, I know she had some credit cards like Montgomery Ward. But later in life, she told me she had cut them up. She advised me to be careful about using any cards I might have. A benefit of my being raised by a daughter of the Great Depression. And I do have credit card debt. Of course, then, when I would finish paying off a recurring card bill that, okay, the washing machine is paid for or whatever, there was a sense of satisfaction. It does not matter who your parents are for you to have that real nice sense of relief when, for those of us who still write checks and post them in the mail, you write the last check on your car loan. I had the good feeling of first paying off my student loans from seminary, and again, when Beth's student loans emerged from a desert of Arizonan indifference, and I don't mean her, I mean institutionally, the U of A didn't contact her about this, so that she told them she moved, then they show up. So we made, finally made the final payment on those. When you close a home equity loan, or pay off new windows, or solar panels you financed, it just feels great to put it in the rearview mirror. If you're blessed with no great expense rearing its head to take its place in a monthly train of payments, it's even sweeter. So having things like that hanging over you is not a great place to be. However, as Jesus' disciples, we are taught that there is one debt we always owe. That is the debt of love. You heard Karen read from Romans, owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. We are free from a law as trying to be right before God, following all of the commandments in all of their minute detail, because they've been fulfilled in Jesus. So we are free from having to follow kosher dietary laws um, or some of the other things in order to be right with God. Jesus took care of that for us on the cross, as I said. He took our place in paying for all we have done and left undone. We are saved by grace through faith and not by being a good person alone. We are free, but we are also in debt as Christians. We are debtors in the sense that we always owe love to God and to each other. That fulfills the law Jesus gave us not only passed down from the Hebrew Bible, but also from John 13, a new commandment I give you. He said that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, you also 
are to love one another. Now, it sounds like Paul does agree with, like, paying all our bills as soon as we can otherwise. Owe no one anything but to love. Owing love to others can take a lot more out of us than owing money. Because at times, love can be hard. Love is not always about sentimentality. In fact, it usually isn't at all. Agape love can have emotional parts to it. But when Jesus told the parable to highlight who our neighbor is, Luke 10, the Good Samaritan, it was a parable with love in action. Love at work helping and even paying for the needs of someone badly banged up and alone and on the other side of a cultural and religious divide. There was no expression of feelings that we know of. Now, this summer, I've, when I've brought up messages that were about, or partly about, addressing historic and widespread racism in our nation's past and present, the addressing is meant to be inspired and guided by love. Working for understanding, for reconciliation, for overturning unjust practices, unrighteous policies, and their current effects is love in action. It can be expressed in a number of ways, carried out in a number of ways, whether you're reading a book and learning or it's voting, that's a civic duty and a right for which persons long have died, that can also be an act of love. Honoring labor, it's Labor Day weekend, honoring labor is yet another. We love this church. When we pray for it, when we offer words of encouragement, support our ministries when possible in person by rolling up our sleeves while maintaining a physical distance, and helping financially. We do not always agree with everyone or everything, and nobody is perfect. But love does not teeter or sit on the balance beam of perfection. We know we're not perfect. That doesn't stop us from loving one another. Please allow me to turn back to the peaceful struggle for real racial justice. The Reverend Valerie Bridgman is the dean and an associate professor at Methodist Theological School in Ohio. She's the author of this month's Living the Word commentary section in Sojourner's Magazine. I got the homily title from her column, in fact, and I want to share with you some of her thoughts, which I've lightly touched on, but even more about owing active love to each other. She acknowledges that often love is dismissed as sappy sentimentality and then writes, every bit of the Romans text requires something more, requires something more than good feelings. It calls us to examine our Christian debt, to do no wrong in a world where wrong stalks so many means we have to figure out how to right the wrong. She continues, it's easy enough to name the damage, but how do we repair it? What does it mean to say love does no wrong to a neighbor, verse 10, when our trans siblings are being murdered and dismembered, as in the case of Dominique Fells in Philadelphia, 
How do we provide safety? What does love your neighbor as yourself mean in this moment, in our culture, as we grapple with centuries-old sin against black humanity? If, in fact, we owe one another love, then we owe one another justice, which includes repairing the damages done individually and collectively in community. It literally means repair-ation, reparation. It means doing so with an urgency, if in fact we believe salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers, end quote. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. On a different scale, I hold that we make a payment on our love debt when we wear a mask, when within six to ten feet from others who do not or cannot. We love our neighbor when we wear a mask. It is not for our benefit, but may be for their protection if you or I are an asymptomatic and unknowing carrier of COVID. I posted on Facebook that we are not free from the command or from paying the debt we owe to love. Christian liberty does not include the freedom to risk the health of others unnecessarily. Christian liberty is a liberty not to be inconsiderate, but to lovingly serve. Now, my piece was long. But Bruce Gillette, my seminary classmate, borrowing from a Reverend Ken Brady, shared this complimentary post, which is not long. Why I wear a mask to church. And Bruce later said, like, everywhere. <laughs> Why I wear a mask everywhere. One, Jesus has called me to love my neighbor. Two, there are vulnerable people in my congregation or in the world. Three, the virus is real and it is dangerous. Four, if I'm wrong, there's no harm. If you're wrong and you choose not to wear a mask, people could get sick and possibly die. Five, so I will relinquish my rights in order to serve others. The love debt. Sounds insurmountable, I know. How can we get up each day and owe love to everyone around us and those in need of love beyond us. Well, first, let us not forget that love is also owed to you and me. We owe love, but it is also to be coming for us. If you and I give and love and serve and burn out, something's not right. And it might be something wrong in the community where we are, especially if we're actually in physical community. And I know community is really hard to have during COVID. We have this love debt, but we are not meant to be Lone Ranger Christians. We are to give and to receive. Paul was writing to a community of believers. It wasn't Paul's letter to the Roman. This brings me very briefly but significantly to my clothes and to the Lord's table. For us, it's prefigured in the Passover meal 
instituted in Exodus 12. In both the Lord's Supper and Passover, the communities are offered food and story for the sacred journeys of faith. It grounds us over time and beyond space in the sacrificial, victorious love of Jesus Christ. We remember and we take it into ourselves somehow for the strength and the courage and forgiveness and patient humility to continue loving one another. We're never done paying this debt, and Jesus is never done feeding us what we need, soul food and holy story, to keep us on his way. To keep us on his way. To show love in action. To undo wrongs done to our neighbors and to each other. To pray for each other. Protect each other. Kindle and rekindle hope with each other. Find shelter with each other. And to celebrate God's peace with each other during our deeds of love. The Lord's Supper is how you and I and the church are enabled together to keep paying our love debt together with glad and generous hearts. Amen. And that concludes our Red-Headed Preacher podcast for today, September 6th. I hope you found it meaningful and uplifting as well as challenging. I'm sorry you weren't able to be at table with us as I did reference uh, communion and the Lord's Supper. Uh, but next week, September 13th, I don't know what the passages are, except I know for sure that the Hebrew scriptures will bring us more of the story of Exodus. I think it may actually be the story of the Hebrew slaves escaping. And uh, that's all I know for sure off the top. Again, uh, God bless you for listening. Uh, Let people know, spread the word if you think this was worth your time. And God bless your week. Bye.